You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. So now what? Well, you can join me, Pastor Allen, and my colleague, Pastor Carissa, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry. This is Season 2, Episode 11. This will be airing on March 23rd of 2020 for the lectionary passages of the fourth Sunday of Lent, Year A. Uh, That Sunday is March 22nd of 2020. How are you, Alan? I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm, you know, we're all about as good as we're going to (laughs) get. Amen, sister. The clergy, Amen. the clergy of the world, are a tired bunch right now. Indeed. So, what uh, what is your sermon title for Sunday? Uh, sight. How about yours? Open eyes. Excellent. I think we are both rooting our uh, sermons in our reading from the Gospel of John. Um, I, I have not decided yet if I will extend my reading from chapter nine into chapter ten because it's a really long story. Uh, You know, I had some fun, creative ideas for what I was going to do, but boy, all of those plans got bumped. What about you, Carissa? What's going on in the world with you? Well, the world is closed for business. (laughs) (laughs) All of it. Um, My grocery store is open. Yeah, grocery stores are open, and I did confirm with someone who works in the pet food industry that pet food stores are considered essential businesses. For a minute, I was panicking that I was going to have to feed my animals whatever crap I could get off the shelves at the grocery store, or I was going to have to learn how to make like homemade dog food, which did not sound like much fun. <laughs> yes. Or, or you could do what you always do and just have it delivered. Well, yes, I will probably continue to do that. But now there's talk about like Amazon warehouses, uh, limiting... Uh, incoming and outgoing stuff just to limit the number of, of people they have mm. to have on the floors. And so stuff's getting weird. It's getting weird. No doubt. How are things in New Jersey? I'm curious how they're different here in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey. Well, we have a lot more um, a lot more positive test results in the area. We have a lot more fatalities mm-hmm. Uh, we had two here in Freehold over the weekend, and we've got the last I heard, and this was a couple days ago, I think we've got a dozen people in the hospital right here in Freehold with the virus. So um, people are justifiably nervous. I, I think going back a week, a lot of people were in denial. Um, we, we had worship this past Sunday, though I'll admit I felt a little bit guilty that we didn't cancel it. Um, but we, we were supposed to have a baptism. We postponed that. Um, you know, but I think even on, even on Thursday or Friday, the general feeling was maybe this isn't quite as bad as we think it is, but by Saturday or Sunday, everybody's like, Ooh, wow. Yeah. This is even worse than we thought. Yeah, it um it escalated pretty quickly. Yeah. It, it... Uh, you know, the the governor of New Jersey is pretty much following the lead of New York, uh both the state and the city and so 
for instance, the the closure of bars and restaurants, as soon as that was made official for New York City, it was made official for New Jersey. Okay, yeah, that seems reasonable. We um, in Pennsylvania have shut things down pretty quickly. We haven't had as many cases yet. There are last I know, 133 positive cases. For those of you who have been living in a hole for the past two months, we're talking about the the new novel coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, 133 cases in Pennsylvania, 11 of those now in Allegheny County. As of like two days ago, we only had two. So it's it's escalating quickly. Part of that is just we have the testing now and we didn't before. Right, and... I think because of that, we have more realized the need to practice social isolation and not have large gatherings. I don't like the term social isolation, though. I think it's appropriate to say social distancing because we're physically apart. But yes, you're right. That is a better term. Yeah, I mean, you and I are not uh, socially isolated right now. We're actually talking via Skype. Correct. And we are certainly not... Um, emotionally distant from one another, only physically distant. Right. I currently am highly annoyed by you on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> Score. <laughs> you just made that one so easy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As pastors right now, our job has completely changed <laughs> all of a sudden. It's very different than it was a week ago. Actually, I think it's more like it was. Be it, it, it was like our job was, but even more so. Elaborate, because I like that. That sounds so right to me, but I want to hear more. There, there was a meme going around Facebook, I want to say a year or two ago, and it had like four or six images. And it was like, you know, what other people think my job is, what <laughs> yeah. I think my job is, what my job really is. And I think for pastors, what our job really is, is going to meetings and answering emails. <laughs> And boy, I am answering more emails this morning yeah. than the most other days. Emails, text messages. And I have never been to more Zoom meetings in my life. Correct. I, I have had uh, at least two Zoom meetings in the last 36 hours. And I expect I'll have another one this evening. So... Uh, that will be the way of the world for quite some time. And so I was doing all of those things before, but those parts of my job just got more intense. They did. And we've gone from, uh, or at least I feel like I have gone from trying to convince folks to get a little more with the times when it comes to communication to all of the sudden needing to even get myself further ahead in how to communicate these days as a Gen Xer. Like, I know how to use Facebook and text message and all that stuff, but I don't like Facebook Live my life. I don't do that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm like, crap, we have to figure out how to still be a community of faith, even though we can't be physically in the same room together. Right. And I think that in many ways, this presents us with an opportunity to uh, grow in relationship with our members and to encourage them to cultivate relationships with one another and be more intentional about all that. 
you know, all the things that we preach every other Sunday, we now have a great opportunity to practice intentionally because we can't practice community in the ways in which we're accustomed. One of my elders put it really well the other day. He goes, well, uh, our little church just got or our little 18th century church got, just got dragged into the 21st century. <laughs> I said, you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. Churches are forced to rethink how we do church. And I'm all for rethinking how we do church, but good grief, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm tired, and I didn't want to have to rethink it all in the space of about a week or two. Right, correct. I didn't want to throw everything out at once and start from scratch. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that, like pretty much the only thing that hasn't been thrown out like completely or completely retooled is the sermon. It's, it's a weird the to sermon, preach to an scripture. iPhone, but yeah. Oh, well, yeah, the Bible never yeah. changes. God never changes. Sure. War never changes. War never changes. Oh, sorry. You probably didn't play. You probably didn't play that video game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's there's a series of video games called Fallout, and it starts with the narration. Uh, I think it's Ron Perlman reading, you know, war, war never changes. Anyhow. Anywho. We, yeah. don't, we don't need to stay on that tangent. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and take heart, fellow clergy who are listening to this right now. Take a deep breath. We will get through it. Um. It's going to be rough, and we do have to really, really rethink the ways we're doing church if we weren't already. But we've been through worse as faith communities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I had a session meeting last night, and it was good and productive. It was difficult to wrestle with this stuff. And, you know, it was a little longer than your usual session meeting, but... Was it my worst or most difficult session meeting ever? No, not by a long shot. I have wrestled with more difficult existential crises for a congregation than this. This is a huge pain, but it is so far from an existential crisis at this point. So my focus for my... A uh, doctoral program is missional leadership. And one of the things, one of the phrases that gets thrown around a lot in that uh, branch of theology is adaptive change. And yes. we're being forced to take on some serious adaptive challenges right now. Every congregation is having to figure it out whether they want to or not. Right. And uh, I was on a zoom meeting yesterday morning with some folks from my presbytery and i think this is one of those examples where we really already have everything we need we just need to know the skills of people in our own congregations and somebody used a wonderful phrase tech deacons i like it I like it. Isn't that isn't that great? So huh. we have people in our congregations who are tech savvy, mm -hmm. who are not us pastors. So they have different relationships with the members than we do, and we can harness their skills to be apostles for the 
newer ways of doing church and the ways that we'll do church in the interim. I like that. I like that idea of tech deacons. I have some people who are kind of just by default falling into that role because they've helped a little bit with Mm -hmm. those kind of things in the past, but we've never given them an official title. And I, I like the way that that honors what they're doing. Correct. I, I, I am, I, it is not my bit of brilliance. I am just passing on the brilliance of others, but I love it too. Yeah. That's, that's a really great one. Um, so one of the interesting uh, kinks in this, so Sunday morning worship is weird. People are Facebook living. I'm going to actually pre-record the service. We've been recording service elements all week, and we're going to, I'm just going to splice them together real quick in iMovie and throw them on Facebook um, and host a watch party. We went Facebook live last week. There were a little, there are a few bumps in that road, so we're going to try something different. Um, but for things like, um, Bible studies and lunches together and stuff like that, we're able to use zoom. We can do meetings that way. Um, everything like that. Uh, but we actually had a member pass away <laughs> and Ooh. yeah. What do you do with funerals? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there've been some discussions on some of the, the Facebook groups I'm on with other clergy about like, what do we tell families about this? Most funeral homes are recommending or even insisting only immediate family at the graveside, no visitation at the funeral home, no funerals at churches, nothing like that. They're not publicizing funeral hours so people can't just come in. And what a pastoral care nightmare that is. Uh, Yeah, well, my own personnel chair told me that I was forbidden to make pastoral visits, except in emergency situations, and we would review those on a case-by-case basis. But the bottom line is, as pastors, we come into contact with so many people over the course of a day or a week that even if you and I are reasonably healthy, we could be unwitting carriers of the disease. And and we'd be busy visiting people in vulnerable populations, and we could very easily spread this virus to the vulnerable among our congregations. Well, and a lot of the visits that I make are in nursing homes, and most of the nursing homes, Mm -hmm. if not all in our area, are closed to visitors whatsoever. Correct. So Also here, yeah, yeah, so that makes also sense for us. It does. But, you know, the flip side is the the rule kind of protects us too. So Oh, not kinda, you know, it absolutely it, does. Yeah. And I, and it protects so I mean we've got vulnerable people. My congregations I think trend a little older than yours. Um, but we've mm-hmm. got really vulnerable people. For the record, the death that we had in our congregation was not COVID related. It was age related, but um that said, I mean, if this took hold in our area as badly as it has in Italy or other places in the world, that's a, that's a huge percentage of my congregation that is at imminent risk of death. That's terrifying. Right. And that that is terrifying. Uh, you know, if you look at the average age of church members across the board, that could be a huge change for all of us that we could see our congregations decline by significant percentages 
over the space of a few months. And shoot, I mean, look at the average age of most clergy in our denomination. There are some our age-ish, but we have mm-hmm. a, a large number of our clergy are um, in their 60s and 70s. I know, I mean, I know clergy who are terrible at retiring, who yes, are still serving small know. congregations. Yeah. I, I also know clergy who are terrible at retiring and other, I, I have a cousin who keeps coming out of retirement to take on an interim position or what have you. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you do with that? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm in that weird area, you know, I have an autoimmune disorder that I'm not on immunosuppressants or anything like that at this point, but it's one that can have cardiovascular implications, this particular disease. So I'm like in that, would I be high risk or not? Who knows? But I'd rather not find out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the, one of the themes in all of this is uh, information and awareness and how we have been transformed over the last couple weeks in our understanding of this disease and our also understanding of our vulnerability to this disease. And it strikes me that this is a really good point of connection between the world and the text. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. We've had some actually really great texts in the Sunday lectionary and the daily lectionary for connection with the things that are going on right now. Our text this week, the gospel passage that we are both preaching on is John 9, 1 through 41. But I don't know that we want to read that big, long entire passage today. Am I correct? We're just going to refer people to read it. You are correct. Uh, We are going to summarize a bit. And this is the story of the man who was blind from birth. So there was this man who was blind from birth. (laughs) Now you like that for a story starter. (laughs) There you go. And somebody asks Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So... The, the assumption that everybody starts out with is if someone was born blind, it was punishment for a sin of the parents. Yeah, they, they must have done something to deserve this. And so Jesus answers that that's not the case. He was just born blind, and now God's going to be revealed through this. And then Jesus heals the man, and he does this by spitting in the dirt on the ground and making a paste of mud and saliva and rubbing it on the man's eyes. This was not during quarantines, for the record. (laughs) Yes, for the record. (laughs) Don't do Uh, this at home. Yes, don't do this at home, uh, especially during quarantine, but really even after (laughs) quarantine, don't do this at home. Yeah, don't spit in mud and rub it in people's faces ever. No. Uh, And so then the the guy goes and bathes at the pool of Siloam, and all of a sudden, he has sight. But that causes additional problems, doesn't it, Carissa? It it does. Um, So it was the Sabbath. So Jesus is constantly doing stuff on the Sabbath that then makes the Pharisees mad because he did stuff on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to push elevator buttons or anything like that on the Sabbath, and here he is healing people. You're not supposed to work, and healing people certainly qualifies as work. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, so the Pharisees get a little bit upset about this, but the people around are kind of like, wow, that was really cool. And um, you're starting to see this building of, of energy uh, around Jesus and, and the movement surrounding him. And um, so then the Pharisees and some other leaders say, ah, he wasn't actually blind to begin with. <laughs> this was all a hoax. Right. Right. Fake news. Fake and news. they they have to challenge this because Jesus represents a challenge to their religious authority. Jesus represents a truth that they do not ascribe to. And we all know how gracefully people handle that sort of uh, thing, don't we? <laughs> Indeed. So an interrogation ensues. Yes. And, uh, you know, they, they want to put the parents on trial and the parents are like, hey, not not our not our business he was blind he was born blind that's all we know and and then they say ask him yourself he's old enough to answer and uh all the man can say is i was blind and now i see and nothing more uh, well maybe not nothing more, yeah not, but not nothing he, he can't <laughs> not nothing but the the man cannot explain the workings of the healing the theology of the sign. We won't call this a miracle because this is the Gospel of John. Yes, John John refers to things as signs um, because they're all pointing to something. Yes, they are pointing to Jesus' divinity, uh, his his role as Messiah, and so they are they are signs of what God will do for us when we are in a right relationship with God. And so it operates also on a metaphorical level of being able to see the deeper truth after being in relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I love the way that Jesus wraps this up. He basically tells the Pharisees, you're the blind ones. Stop obsessing over how this happened. You're the blind ones because you don't see what's really happening. Yeah. And and I think... um, one of the really interesting ways that this relates to our current situation with the coronavirus is even though you and i tell our congregations over and over again this is not a punishment from god for something Mm. we want to jump to that explanation because that's an easy explanation now that falls apart really quickly because there is just no sin that this would be appropriate punishment for it's a collective punishment it's uh it is not necessarily if it were punishment it would not it's not being applied uh proportionally or to the people who were sinful necessarily and and so you end up having to turn through a lot of hoops of bad theology to try to explain why it is from God. All of those explanations fall apart because, well, it's not from God. Viruses cross over from animals to humans all the time. Our bodies don't have built-up immunities to them, and people get sick and people die. Mm-hmm. And none of that is punishment from God. That is just the way the world works yeah it's just a thing um the particularly scary thing about this one is how quickly it's adapting 
too. Like this virus is is changing and that's not God going through and saying like, you know, it's going to keep getting worse and I'm going to hit these specific people. It's just, that's just how stuff works. That's both one of the marvels and the terrors of the world and the way that, that nature works. Right. Um, and to, to look for God in the virus is to be looking for the wrong thing and in the wrong place and at the wrong time. If you want to find God, uh, I always fall back on Mr. Rogers here. And I'll say, look for God in the helpers. Look yes. for God in the nurses and the doctors and the hospital administrators and all of the people who keep the hospital clean. Look for God in all of the delivery people who are bringing our food and our books and our packages in this time. Look for God in all of the labs where people are trying to synthesize a vaccine for this virus. Look for God in the helpers. End of sentence. That'll preach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got, we have to be careful, right? Because it's easy to devolve into panic at a time like this. Mm -hmm. That's not helpful at all. We don't want to be cavalier about this because people are dying and will continue to die. And we need to mitigate that as much as possible. But we also don't want to panic. And one of the ways to help pull out of panic and to help pull out of the dark place that is easy to go into at this time is to look for the goodness and the work of God and the love around you. Yes. Look for the goodness. Also, ignorance is deadly. Right. So go out and educate yourself. Get good scientific information from places like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or the World Health Organization. Go to your local and state health departments. Uh, go to medical journals and scientific publications. Do not look for the truth on Facebook. No, not ever. Do not look for the truth on uh, cable news. Nope. Again, good advice in general. General good life advice. Correct. But, uh, you know, look for it in print sources. Um, look for, you know, major newspapers are okay because they are going to fact check these stories in particular uh, to a degree that they might not always fact check their coverage of politicians or celebrities. But, yeah, you know, look for multiple sources. Uh, practice information hygiene. If you see something online and it doesn't have clear sourcing to uh, a government organization, a health service, something that is really identifiable, don't repost it. Don't share it. Right, right. Um, and, and then the other thing is pray. Yeah. Come to God in prayer. Pray for peace. Uh, Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Yeah, and and knowing that that prayer is um, that prayer is a practice that can center you and help remove the anxiety. Please do not pray that God will protect you and then go out to the bar anyway. That's dumb. Don't do that. Um, this is a real problem that, you know, take seriously but 
but um, use prayer as a centering place and a place to to um, release those anxieties and concerns. Yes, and also call up your friends and loved ones. Talk to people on the phone. Talk to your friends from church on the phone. Let people feel connected. Uh, I, I will disagree a little bit. It's okay to go to the bar if you're getting takeout. Oh, well, yes. Okay, go yes. Go to the bar, get takeout, yeah. go home. Yeah. Tip your server because they really need the tips yeah. now. But, uh, yeah, don't stay at the bar if you happen to be in a state where they still allow you to do that. Uh, in Jersey, that's verboten. Yeah, it's out in Pennsylvania. It's delivery and uh, takeout only. And so we're making it a point to order delivery and takeout from local businesses that we like, knowing that they're going to really suffer right now. Um, but And maybe use this as a chance to um, s- support some of those local businesses that you, you love, uh, maybe even folks that are in your congregation that have a small business um, and use this as an opportunity to get better at learning Facebook or Zoom or Skype or one of those other technologies that maybe you've been putting off for a little while. I had no and you're never too old, friends. I had a 95 year old woman tell me she was so happy that we put church up on YouTube so she could still go to church on Sunday. If she can watch church on YouTube, you too, my friends, (laughs) very few of you listening to this are older than 95. You can handle it, too. And you can handle the role of tech deacon for your parents or grandparents. Yes. Uh, last night at our session meeting, our our clerk of session is in her early 80s, and she has some technical skills, but her granddaughter also lives with her. So her granddaughter was able to get everything set up on her iPad <laughs> so that our clerk could be part of the meeting and take notes and all that good stuff. I love that so much. I'm I am really enjoying seeing people come together to teach each other these things and um, seeing the ways I, my congregation has been so flexible with all of this and patient learning these new things. And and I, I just love them so much. And what a great example of how flexible they are and how much they love God and love one another, that they're willing to go out of their comfort zone in this way to still be together in faith community. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, this is this is us having our eyes opened. Yes. Um, having our eyes opened to new ways of communication and being church. Yeah. Shall I pray us out? That would be great. God of grace and mercy, open our eyes. Open our eyes that we may see all of these new and wonderful ways of being church. Open our eyes so that we may see all of the ways that we can be part of the solution to this problem. Open our eyes so that we may continue to see after the pandemic is over so that we may see new ways of being in relationship and doing church and being church long after the crisis has passed. Open our eyes that we may continue to spread your word in unexpected ways and places, and that we might more fully live into your call to be disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, 
may God, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body. May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us, friends, for another episode of Soft Idolatry. Don't forget that you can email us questions, comments at info at softidolatry.com. If you go to our website, which is www.softidolatry.com, you can get links to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. We're also on Patreon if you would like to help support the show financially. And you'll also get links to our show notes there as well. Uh, hey, Alan, while we're uh, talking about all these diseases and things, you know, we've had like swine flu and bird flu, and now this uh, this isn't doesn't have an animal name to it, but it, it got me thinking, do you know where horses go when they get sick? Uh, they go to one of my members named Amelie, who's an equine veterinarian. So you might call that the hospital. I might, but she, she actually kind of does, uh, she, she goes and visits the horses on her own. Okay. Around here, they just get shot. <laughs> That's because they don't have Amelie. <laughs> <laughs> no horses were harmed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. <laughs>